And yes, that's our prayer. Lord, plant my feet on higher ground. Uh, please say the opening prayer. Hello. Good evening. Good evening. Let us pray. Thank you. In Jesus' name. Amen. In the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Father, we thank you. We glorify your holy name. We thank you for this beautiful day. We thank you, Lord Jesus, for we are gathered once more. Father, we say all glory be unto your name in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. We are about to read further and to learn more about this journey. Father, continue to interpret your word into our hearts in Jesus' name. Amen. Father, Lord, as we will continue to read this evening, Father, open our eyes. Let us see different ways to be able to have more grace for the race in Jesus' name. Amen. And I pray that even as we read in the mighty name of Jesus, for the hearers, for those that are reading, Father, you continue to minister to us in Jesus' name. Amen. And we will not weary on our journey, our Christian generation in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Father, because you have answered us. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' mighty name of okay. Amen. Amen. Thank you so very much, and thank you all for joining us at gospelbearsradio.com and for members of the Readers Club who are already here in the virtual studio. Let's read together our permanent memory verse for this study. Uh, this was one of the permanent memory verses for our first study for Pilgrim's Progress uh, first part, and it is also uh, our permanent memory verse for this study. So I believe that all, all of us should, should have known it by now. Are we ready? If you can unmute where you are, please do so. And let's read together. This is on page page two of the PDF for today for those at gospelbearsreading.com. Okay, let's read together. Hebrews 11.13 These all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off, were assured of them, embraced them, and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. Yes, Hebrews 11.13. Thank you very much. That's our permanent memory verse for this study. So where are we in this study? Remember that uh, this book is titled by many people as Christina's Journey, actually originally titled by the author as Pilgrim's Progress Part 2. But this book is about Christiana, the wife of the protagonist in Pilgrim's Progress Part 1, whose name, of course we know, was Christian. When Christian left the city of destruction, his wife and children did not follow him. But after he attained glory, after he died and was received into glory, his wife began to... Uh, to have a conviction of her own sins, and she wanted to 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 go on the pilgrimage. Uh, good for her. She she had that body in her heart to follow after after her husband, and the Lord sent help to her. She had a dream where she she was invited by the king of of the celestial city for her to commence uh, on the pilgrimage she was visited by mr secret mr secret who told her what she has to do to get to the uh, to the celestial city she has to begin by entering through the narrow gate also called the wicked gate uh, attempt was made by mrs timorous to dissuade her to to discourage her from beginning the pilgrimage mrs timorous visited her along with mercy but of course, Christiana was resolute, and uh, Mercy, who went with Mrs. Timorous, also decided to go with Christiana. 
and good for for mercy when they when they got to the wicked gate although mercy was not immediately allowed in she was eventually allowed in and both of them then uh, commenced their pilgrimage and of course they arrived at the house of the interpreter where the interpreter showed them profitable things parables about the christian journey uh, one of them being the parable of the man with the mock rake where the interpreter reminded them that look uh, in this world there will be many people who will be preoccupied with the things of this world but instead of just being preoccupied with the things of this world we should always be reminded that there is somebody who is always calling us to to look up to the things above and not to the things below uh, luckily for them, when they were assaulted on the way, then they made a request. They made a request to the interpreter to give them a guide. And Mr. Great Heart, Mr. Great Heart was given to them as a guide. Mr. Great Heart was a fantastic guide. Uh, still is. We are going, still going to read more about him today. Uh, guided them along the way so much so that they did not make many of the mistakes that Christian made in his own pilgrimage. Uh, today they will be arriving at the Palace Beautiful. And as we read tonight, uh, I, I mean, I encourage you to also cast your mind back uh, to some of the familiar places we came across in Pilgrim's Progress Part 1 and how the experience that Christiana and Mercy and Christiana's boys will have here, how those experiences differ from the experience that Christian had when he was on his own pilgrimage. So, same uh, as agreed to read for us tonight. Thank you so very much, sis, for agreeing to read tonight. We are going to take it as as always. We have broken these passages into bits, and so we are going to read them uh, like that and 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 deliberate on them. There are just beautiful, beautiful lessons to learn here. And of course, this this is a book of symbolisms and parables. So so many things for us to learn. And as uh, me prayed earlier on. We trust that the Holy Spirit will help us to fully understand uh, what he is teaching us and to decode all the parables in this in this chapter. Quite a long chapter, so we hope to complete it tomorrow. But let's look forward to a wonderful time. If you are at gospelbearsudio.com, what you can do is to tap that WhatsApp widget and send us uh, your views or your answers to our questions. Or if you have questions of your own, do not hesitate to send them. Uh, if you want to send a voice note, you can do so. If you want to call into the studio, you can do so as well. Thank you all so much. So we look forward to a beautiful, beautiful time. Sajem, are you ready to read? Yes, sir. Okay. Yes. Thank, you. Thank you so much. Yes, and yeah, yeah, we can hear you. So happy reading as well. <laughs> Thank you. Okay, go ahead. Okay. A losing place. Mm-hmm. Now, when they had eaten and drunk, and shattered a little, chatted a little longer. Their guide said to them, "The day wears away. If you think it's good, if you think it's good, let us prepare to be going." So they got up to go, and the little boys went in front. But Christiana forgot to take her bottle of spirits with her, so she sent her little boy back to fetch it. Mercy, I think this is a losing place. Here, Christian lost his scroll. Mm-hmm. His scroll. But his scroll that is written here, sir. Air Christian I, lost I, his scroll. Okay, his, okay. I, I, I think the other just used another another word for, okay. for it. Okay. Christian lost his scroll. And here, Christiana left her bottle behind. Sir, 
What is the cause of this? Mr. Great Heart, the cause is sleep or forgetfulness. Some sleep when they should keep awake and some forget when they should remember. Mm -hmm. And this is the very reason why often at resting places, some pilgrims in some things come off losers. Pilgrims should watch and remember what they have already received, providing for their greatest enjoyments. But for lack of doing so, for lack of doing so, openly, their rejoicing ends in tears and their sunshine in a cloud. Witness the story of Christian in this place. When they came to the place where mistrust and timorous met Christian to persuade him to go back for fear of the lions, they saw, as it were, a stage, and before it, towards the road, a broad plate with a copy of verses written on it, and underneath, the reason for raising the stage in that place. One of the verses was, let him that sees this stage take heed unto his heart and tongue, lest if he go not, hear his speed, as some have a long agone. The words underneath the verses were, this stage was built to punish those on, who through timidity or mistrust are afraid to go further on pilgrimage. Also, on this stage, both mistrust and timorous were burned through the tongue with a hot iron for trying to hinder Christian on his journey. Mercy. This is much like the saying of the beloved, what shall be given unto thee, or what shall be done unto thee, thou falls tongue, mm. sharp arrows of the mighty with coals of juniper. Psalm 123 to 4. Okay, thank you very much. Okay, so we're trying to read this chapter in bits, and uh, let's stop here for now. I want to take it from the ending of this uh, this portion of the text, uh, where we have read of what has happened, or what eventually happened to mistrust and timorous. For those who were not with us, and when we we're reading Pilgrim's Progress uh, Part 1, you will recall that when Christian got to the foot of the hill difficulty and he had refreshed himself at the spring at the foot of the hill difficulty remember again that uh, we situated that spring to mean the pleasant promises of god in the scriptures where pilgrims are expected to refresh themselves from time to time even when they uh, at all times and especially when they're about to face difficult times so so christian refreshed himself at the at the at the foot of the hill with the water from that spring but as he made to start climbing that hill he met mistrust and timorous and he met them coming back downhill you know christian was climbing the hill as part of his his journey to the celestial city but then he met these two people coming the opposite way and i would suppose that uh, in pilgrim's project part one they will be the first set of people that he would meet coming the opposite way and he told Christian, told Christian at that time, look, don't go any further. We have gone further than this, and we know that the journey ahead is dangerous. So they tried to, to, to discourage him, in fact, to make him afraid. Of course, we know what mistrust means. Mistrust means to not to, not to be trusting. And timorous means to always fret, to always fret. So remember that Christian refreshed himself at the foot of the ill difficulty with the promises of God. So these two people were those who, although they also did that, they did not trust uh, those sweet promises. For example, where the Lord has said, I'll never leave you, I'll never forsake you. Timorous was just always, uh, always, uh, always fretting, 
always fretting. Now, we have, we have just read of what became of them. Did you notice that? He said, also on this stage, meaning this place, uh, both Mistress and Timothy were burned through the tongue with a hot iron for trying to hinder Christian on his journey. Uh, if you recall again last week, uh, we can recall uh, some characters we came across in our study last week who also met a horrible end. They were characters that Christian also met with in Pilgrim's Progress Part 1, but we read of them last week and they came to a horrible end. Who can, who can recall uh, those characters? Who can recall those characters? We came across them last week. Yes, go ahead, Domi. Timorous and mistrust, am I correct? No, no, yeah, Timorous and mistrust this week. We are reading of them now, but last week we read of three characters too uh, that Christian had met in Pilgrim Progress Part One, but that Christiana and Mercy also met in our study last week, and something had happened to them. If you recall, who can recall? Uh, you know that Christian met three characters who were sleeping just immediately after Christian left at the foot of the cross. He came across three characters who were fast asleep. And when they would not listen to his, um, to his admonition, he left them there. But by the time Christiana and Mercy got to that same place, something had happened to those three characters. Who can remember? Who can recall? Okay. Okay, I have an answer. Yes, yeah, simple... Yeah, simple was one of them. Yes, who can record the others? Yes, simple, slothful, and presumption. Thank you very much. Simple, slothful, and presumption. Those were the three characters, remember? Uh, when Christian met them, uh, they were sleeping. Christian tried to encourage them not to sleep, but they did not listen. But by the time that Christian and Mercy got there, they had been hanged. They had been hanged as an example for other pilgrims of the danger, the dangers of course of being simple-minded, of being slothful and being presumptuous. In this case as, as well, we now learn that Timorous and Mistress who tried to dissuade Christian uh, were burned on the tongue with a hot iron. And there's a reference here to Psalm 123 to 4. And it's a lesson, it's a lesson to us uh, that you see those who try, those who with false tongue who try to do evil to God's people shall receive their just, uh, their just reward at the end of time. But I want us to reflect on the, the more pressing uh, lesson from this portion of the text. Uh, and it is this, that Christiana lost, or rather forgot a bottle of spirit. If you recall last week, towards the end of our study last week, uh, one of us did a good job in, in reminding us of the symbolism of all the things that were given to, to Christiana and Mercy uh, in their bag, the pomegranate and then the bottle of spirit, which is signifying the Holy Spirit, where the scripture says, uh, be drunk with, with the Holy Spirit and not with wine to excess. Anyway, long and short, remember that Christian, after he had rested in that arbor, while he was, after climbing the hill, he got to an arbor where he rested a bit. And there's nothing wrong with resting because uh, after a difficult time, God brings us to a place of ease. And God did bring Mercy and Christiana and Christiana's boys to this place of ease. When Christian got to that place of ease and he decided to continue on his journey, he forgot his scroll. Remember, he forgot his scroll. In this case, Christiana forgot a bottle of spirits. 
So she had to send a little boy to fetch it, and, and that became an issue. And, and, that, and that leads us to our first question tonight. And I'm going to read all these three questions, and please feel free to attempt to answer any one of them. Can we try to identify the temptations that Christians may face during periods of ease? During periods of ease, you know, it was the period of ease uh, that Christian forgot his scroll that he had been given. In this case, again, Christiana forgot a bottle of spirits. You know, uh, they had climbed the ill difficulty. It was difficult for them. At some point, they were panting, but they eventually climbed it and then got to that arbor and rested. But when they made to stand up and continue the journey, they discovered that Christian had forgotten a bottle of spirit. Why is it that Christians find it challenging to remain vigilant during times of ease? Why do we find it challenging to remain vigilant during times of ease? And can you remember instances from the Bible where some individuals lost their God during moments of ease? Who can remember any instance? So any of these three questions, if you're able to venture and answer to any of them what are the temptations that christians may face during periods of ease what are the reasons that uh, we find it particularly challenging to remain vigilant during times of ease and can you recall instances from the bible where individuals lost their guard during moments of ease because that's exactly the lesson uh, that uh, we are called to reflect on as we as we engage with this part of the story where Christiana forgot a bottle of spirits after resting in that arbor, the same place that Christian forgot, that Christian forgot uh, his own scroll. And see what uh, Mercy called the place. Mercy called, this is a losing place. This is a place where you lose things. Uh, is there a place like that in the Christian's life? Is there a place like that in the Christian journey? A place where we tend to lose things. That's not what exactly. I mean, if you look at page two, I'm reading it here. Mercy. Mercy said, I think this is a losing place. Here, Christian lost his role, and here, Christiana left a bottle behind. Sir, what is the cause of this? Uh, Mercy asked uh, Mr. Greatheart, who was accompanying them. And, well, you can read the answer of Mr. Greatheart there. And I'm asking us now, let's reflect on this. Uh, what, can you recall instances from the Bible where? Uh, in times of moments of ease, people lost their guard and fell into uh, diverse temptations and errors. And why is it particularly challenging for us to remain vigilant in times of ease? Hey, Sister MC, go ahead. Yeah, I just remember um, David. Good, David. When, he, when, when they went to, when he sent his soldiers to go to war and there was at the, you know, from his room, he walked, you know, to, to the corridor of his room and, you know, stretching and saying, like, ease, I'm, I'm relaxed. Yeah. And that was where he saw Bathsheba. Exactly. The, the beautiful woman taking a bath and then he fell into that temptation. Thank you very much. That would be a perfect example. I mean, that was a confident king. Confident king. He must have been so confident in the, in the ability of his army. He did not foresee any danger coming to his kingdom. That's why he did not go to war. Because if you read that passage that uh, Sister Jameson just referred to, he started by saying that at the time when kings went to war, I don't want to, so at the time when kings were, at that time David chose not to go to war because well we can safely uh, assume that he must have looked at everything and, and he must have concluded that look this is a good time I mean there are no danger I have a, I have a strong army it was a moment of ease for him he stood back and it was just when his men were at war he climbed to the to the roof of his palace he was looking over his kingdom 
he saw that woman Bathsheba, and we know uh, what became of that. And of course, yeah, the Lord forgave him, but you know, David paid dearly. He paid dearly for that, and of course, that's a reminder to us that even in times of ease, uh, we must always, uh, we must never lose our guard. Why is this always challenging to remain vigilant in times of ease? Uh, and is there any other example uh, that we can? That we can remember. I mean, I can remember the, also the example of Solomon. You know, Solomon. There was a time in in his in his reign when God had granted him rest on every side. Solomon was that kind of king who enjoyed rest and prosperity on every side. He did not have to fight wars. His father had fought, had fought all the wars, and he had more than more than sufficient. And of course, you know what ended Solomon's life? He began to seek after those other gods. He, he, he married deep, women from different places, and they led him astray. I mean, is it to say the women led him astray? But you know, he himself was allowed himself to be led to be led astray. But it was ease, really. Uh, that made him to fall into that error. And that should admonish us that even in times, especially in times of ease, we must uh, we must remain on our guard. Why do you think that we find it difficult to remain vigilant during times of ease? Why do we find it difficult to remain vigilant during times of ease, times of prosperity, times where we have rest on every side? Why do we particularly find it challenging? I mean, in, in difficult times, usually Christians don't find it challenging to to remain vigilant in difficult times because well you have you have a pressing battle uh, you know you have to pray in fact you keep to your prayer time that you have you have a device for yourself for yourself but in times of ease we find it particularly challenging why is that so okay remember at God's best you can join us by tapping the WhatsApp widget and typing your answer or, or just join it. Why do we particularly find it difficult, uh, difficult to remain vigilant during times of ease? I mean, personally, I'm going to connect this with um, with the with the case of simple slot and presumption. And again, I'm going to ask us to think back to Pilgrim's Progress Part One. Uh, if you can recall, I don't know if anybody can remember the. The responses that each of simple slot and presumption gave to Christian when Christian warned them, warned them about uh, about sleeping while on the pilgrimage. The responses that they gave. Uh, who can remember the response that simple gave to Christian when Christian said, "Look, man, why are you sleeping? You are you on the way. Keep keep on your journey. Why are you guys sleeping?" and uh, pretending like you don't have any pressing business. I don't know if anybody can recall the. Uh, the answer that Simple gave. And I suppose that answer is, is the answer that anybody experiencing ease would give. You know, Christians, uh, Simple said to Christians, said, look, I see no danger. Christian has said to them, look, man, why are you sleeping? Let's keep moving. There is danger on the road. Don't, don't be overtaken by, by the devil. And Simple said, oh, there is no danger. There is no danger. And Slothful said, oh, just a little more sleep. Presumption said, look, don't bother about me. Uh, I will take care of myself. Every tub must stand on its own bottom. That's what, that's what uh, Presumption said. So, uh, And I suppose that those are the responses that we get from people or some people, some Christians who are experiencing times of ease. I see no danger around. I remember what the psalmist himself wrote. He said, I said, I cannot be moved. In my ears, I said, I cannot be moved. And sometimes we get into that 
state of mind as well where we think that, oh, nothing can move. Because you look around and you see everything is taken care of. Uh, perhaps you have perhaps you have everything everything you need. Perhaps uh, all your prayers have been answered. You have no pressing problem, no uh, immediate enemy, you know, at your foot. I say, look, I say to myself, that, that's from, from Psalm 10. Uh, Psalm 10, he says, he says to himself, nothing will ever shake me. It's worse, no one will ever do me harm. And that's a dangerous place to be. Anybody will get to that place where he says to himself, look, uh, nothing will ever shake me because there's no danger around. All the enemies have been conquered. All that needs to be provided for has been provided for. Is it, is it, that, that would be a losing place, as Mercy put it. It would be a losing place. Why do we find it challenging? Because uh, we don't see the immediate danger, but we are called to always realize that we should be watchful and prayerful. Even on the night that Jesus would be arrested, his disciples did not immediately see the danger. Uh, they still had the Savior with them. And when he went to pray, he was praying, you know, sweating blood, and they were sleeping. And Jesus said to them, watch and pray, so that you do not fall into temptation. So I think the lesson from this part of the chapter is to heed the admonition of our Lord, watch and pray, so that you do not fall into temptation. I pray that when God brings us into periods of ease, and may may it please him to bless us with abundance of periods of ease. But let us pray that even in times like that, we do not lose our guard. We continue to be uh, we continue to, to be watchful. We continue to be prayerful. May we not fall into the temptation of those who say, well, I have no reason to pray because everything is going well. All my prayers have been answered. Oh, that would be such a sad, sad, uh, sad situation. That Such a Christian will find himself or herself in a losing place, as mercy put it. Okay, thank you very much. If anything occurs to you as we go along, please do not hesitate to, to share it with us. Good. Okay, let's go on. We're on page three now. This portion of the text titled Grim the Giant. Grim the Giant. That's where we are now on page three of that PDF. Grim the Giant. Sam, are you are you ready? Okay, yes, sir. Grim the Giant. Yes. So they went on till they came within sight of the lions. Now, Mr. Greatheart was a strong man, so he was not afraid of lions. Yet, when they came up to the place where the lions were, the boys that went in front were now glad to cringe behind, Mm -hmm. for they were afraid of the lions. So they stepped back and went behind. Mr. Greatheart. At this, their guide smiled and said, How now, my boys? You love to go before when no danger approaches and love to go behind as soon as the lions appear? Now, as they went on, Mr. Greatheart drew his sword with the intention of clearing a way for the pilgrims in spite of the lions. Then there appeared one that it seems had taken up, taken upon him to back the lions. Grim said to the pilgrim's guide, what is the cause of your coming here? Now the name of the man was Grim, or bloody man, because of his slaying of pilgrims and he was of the race of the giants. Mr. Greatheart, these women and children are going on pilgrimage, and this is the way they, they must go. And go, they shall, in spite of you and the lions. Grim, this is not their way, neither shall they travel in it. I have come out to withstand them, 
and to that end, I will back the lions. Now, to tell you the truth, by reason of the fierceness of the lions and of the grim face of him that backed them, this way had lately become little occupied and was almost grown over with grass. Can you scroll up, sir? Okay. Christiana, though the highways have been unoccupied up till now, and though the travelers have been made in times past to walk through by path, it must not be so now. I am reason, now I am reason, a mother in Israel. Judges 5, 6 to 7. Then Grim swore by the lions that it should be left alone, and therefore bid them turn aside, for they should have no passage there. But Great Heart, their guide, made, this, made his approach to Grim and beat so heavily on him with his sword that the giant was forced to retreat. Grim, will you slay me on my own ground? Mr. Great Heart, this is the king's highway that we are in, and this way you, you have placed the lions. But these women, these children, though weak, shall keep on their way in spite of you, your lions. And with that, he gave, him a, he gave him again a downright blow and brought him to his knees. With this blow also, he broke his helmet and with the next, cut off an arm. Then the giant roared so hideously that his voice frightened the women. And yet they were glad to see him lie sprawling on the ground. Now the lions were chained and so of themselves could do nothing. Wherefore, when old Grim, who intended to bag them, was dead, Mr. Greatheart said to the pilgrims, Greatheart, come now and follow me, and no harm shall come to you from the lions. They therefore went on, but the women trembled as they passed them by. The boys also looked as if they would die, but they all got by without further harm. Thank you very much. They all got by without further arm. So we just read now of uh, Christiana and Mercy and the boys coming across uh, Grim the Giant. Grim the Giant who, of course, wanted to dissuade them again, uh, to discourage them uh, by from from going any further, any further. Uh, if you recall that at this same place in Pilgrim's Progress Part 1, uh, Christian was afraid of the lions. Christian saw the lions and was afraid. He had been one of the lions by Timorous and Mistrust. We just spoke of them recently, uh, who have been punished and be, have been put to death. He was warned. But Christian did not meet Grim the Giant. Now, Grim the Giant is appearing to two women and boys. And thankfully, they had uh, Mr. Great Heart with them as their companion. And I'm talking about giant. Remember that this book is a book of symbolisms. I'm talking about giant. I want us to reflect very briefly on biblical stories that we are reminded of as we think of this giant and what lessons can be drawn from this account. Because when a giant confronts uh, two women and boys, and thank God for Mr. Greater who was with them, you would expect them to be uh, to be in dread, and they were in dread really of that giant. But see, there's a way that Mr. Greatheart brought that giant to his knees and actually defeated him. I mean, the Bible is full of stories of giants that were defeated. Who can remember any any biblical story, biblical account of a of giant defeated 
think, 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 Bible students, any stories that are reminded of right now of giants who were defeated? <clears throat> yes, yes, yes. Think through the Bible, Bible accounts of giants who were defeated. Because we have just read of a defeated giant here on the way to the palace beautiful Grim, this is Mr. Grim, the giant, and was defeated. Can you recall any biblical account or biblical story of a giant or giants who were defeated and and what lessons we can learn? Thank you, uh, Sister Lady, for for putting this. Okay, yes, she has mentioned David and Goliath, and yes, I was expecting somebody to mention that as well. David and Goliath. Okay, Sister Emsi has written that in the chat room as well. David and Goliath. Goliath was a giant uh, that was defeated. Uh, by by little David, little David, and I don't know what's your lesson from that account of David and Goliath. There is something that always that I never forget whenever I read that account, and I think you are going to find one of the beautiful account of that account in First Samuel, First Samuel seventeen. There is something that David said uh, while he was confronted. Remember that uh, many people had been made afraid by Goliath, including the king of Israel at that time, Saul, and all his army. They just stood. Uh, they were dejected. They were just waiting for what would happen. Uh, they, they just could not. That was a stalemate because, well, these people had a giant on their side. That was a stalemate. They had a giant on their side. They didn't know what, 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 what was going to happen. But there was something that, that uh, David said. I'm going to read from First Samuel 17. And David said, Let no one lose heart on account of this Philistine. Your servant will go and fight him. And then he said to me, Then he said, The Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion will also rescue me from this Philistine. And then the word that we must never forget, he said, This day the Lord will deliver you into my hands and I will strike down your, I'll cut off your head. Because the battle is the Lord's. And we give all of you into our hands. The battle is the Lord. And I think, I, I mean, that's one statement from David that we must never forget. And when we ourselves, when we confront giants, giants on the way, we must, we must repeat that and say the battle is the Lord. Don't look at the giant. Look at the person who is on your side fighting with you. Any other story of giants in the Bible that comes to mind as we think of Grim, Mr. Grim the giant who stood on the way to withstand our mercy Christiana and Christiana, Christiana's boys. Yes, we've talked about David and Goliath and that statement made by David when he said the battle is the Lord's. Can you think of any other story of giants uh, in the Bible? And how people of God confronted them or were not afraid of them. The Amalekite, thank you very much, MC, for saying that. Yeah, the Amalekite as well, exactly. The Amalekite were described as giants as well. Okay, let's recall uh, that that episode also from, I think from Joshua 14. Uh, Joshua 14, when the spies were sent out into the land, when said, look, go and look at the, when Moses said, look, go to the land and, and look at the place. Let us understand what is there so that we can have some form of uh, battle plan to... To take the land. And was it not the case that many of those men they came back and they said, Yes, yes, this land that God has promised us is a beautiful, beautiful land filled with milk and honey. But then they said, Look, the land 
also consist of giants. People there are giants. They are giants and they're going to crush us. They're going to crush us. But we remember the response of Joshua and Caleb. We can remember what the response of Joshua and Caleb was. Yes, Caleb was the only one that gave a positive. Thank you very much. I'm you're correct on it. He was the one that gave a positive report and he said, Yes, there are giants there, but God is on our side. God is on our side. The other the others were looking at the strength of the giants. They were looking at how how dreadful the giants were. But Caleb and Joshua chose to look at the power of God, at the power of God. And that leads us back to this story. How uh, Mr. Great Heart defeated Grim the Giant. How did he defeat uh, Grim the Giant? Can anybody go through the text on, on page four? How did Mr. Great Heart defeat uh, Grim the Giant in this text? Exactly. Yes. Thank you very much. That exactly was was with the sword. The text here says in this story that Mr. That Mr. Great Heart then brought him to his knees. At first, it says that, but Mr. Great Heart, their guide, made his approach to Grim and and beat so heavily on him with his sword that the giant was forced to retreat. And the giant was forced to retreat first. And then the giant said, "Are you going to slay me on my ground?" So I want us to really look at this text on page four. First, it says, then Grim swore. Go I ahead. Think the great heart used his words first when he said that it is the king's highway mm-hmm. that we are in. That we are in. And this is the way you, you know, I think he used his words, you know, the words, uh, the authority he had first. Exactly. Exactly. If, in, in fact, I was, I was going to go to that point to say, when, when he used his sword, we know from uh, from the exposition by 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 Paul himself, uh, when he was talking about the uh, the the full armor of God, he said also take up the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, which is the word of God, and that is how we defeat we defeat the enemy, the word of God. So uh, Great Heart used his sword, and then Grim. So this would look something like even the battle between uh, between Jesus and, and and that tempter when you know uh, Jesus was the 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 tempter tempted our Lord and the Lord responded with the with the word of God. Mister Grim re- responded to Greater and said, "Look, are you going to slay me on my own ground?" That's what the guy said. He said, "My own ground, my own ground." And then now. Think back to David. David said, look, the battle is the Lord's. It's, the battle is not for these Philistines and their giant to fight. Caleb and Joshua said, you see, look, the Lord is with us. So who are the giants? Who are the Amalekites? In this case, too, Mr. Greatard immediately responded to Grim. Grim said, are you going to slay me on my own ground? This is my own ground. Are you going to fight me? Mr. Greatard, no, this is not your ground. It is the king's highway that we are in. It is, yeah, I, mean, I mean, this is our father's word. I don't know if you know that hymn. This is my father's word. And you see, although uh, the Lord has allowed Satan, Satan and his agent to have some free reign in this world today, it is still the Lord's word. He holds, uh, he has the final say, he has the final authority. And let us never accept when the devil says to us, oh, this is my ground, this is my place, this is my this is my palace, I, I control this place. No, we should respond the way Mr. Greatheart responded, saying, look, it is the king's highway. This is the king's highway. This is not your own ground. Grim said, will you slay me on my own ground? No, this is not your ground. This is the king's highway. The same way that David uh, rejected uh, Goliath's authority and he said, look, the battle belongs to the Lord. The same way 
Caleb and Joshua did not accept that the giant Demolakite would have the final say. The same way that Mr. Greater did not uh, did not allow Grim to have the final say. He beat him so heavily with his sword, which is the word of God, and he went on. He did not stop when he retreated. Next paragraph says he also gave him a downright blow and brought him to his knees. And with this blow, he broke his helmet and with the next, he cut off his arm. Then the giant roared so hideously uh, that his voice frightened the women. Meaning that, you know, we just continue to, to fight the devil over and over again with the word, with the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. So I think the, the lesson here is well taken and I pray that we will never forget it. That yes, there will be giants on the way. For Christian, it was only the lions that that threatened him. In this case, uh, Grim also joined. There will be giants on the way. There will be lions on the way. For the lions, uh, how did they overcome the lions? How did they overcome the lions? Yeah, the same way that Christian overcame them. Remember, the lions, they had their mouth shut anyway. They, 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 their mouth had been shut. And we must never forget that. I mean, for those who were with us when we studied Pregnant Forget Part 1, uh, we really had uh, a beautiful time reflecting on this, that the mouth of the lions have been shut. And, and I mean, that, that, that's a good reminder for us every time to remember that although there may be lions threatening us, you see, when we get to that place where we think the lions will stop us, we are going to find that the, the, lions, the lions have their mouth shut by the power of God. Uh, Daniel knew that he was going to be thrown into that den, but God showed his power and shut the mouth of the lions. And in the same way, they were chained exactly. Thank you. In the same way, we find that the lions, they are always chained. Their mouths cannot do anything. The lions ordinarily would, would destroy with their mouth. They would, they would devour. But they had been chained. They had been chained. They had been made uh, of no consequence. Of no consequence at all. Oh what, oh, what joy we have. Oh, what joy we have. Oh, what assurance we have that the lions were chained. So let us not be afraid. We are able to go up and take the country to possess the land from the Jordan to the sea. And though the giants may be on our way to hinder, God will surely give us the victory. That's the lesson from this place, that God will surely give us the victory, even though lions and giants may be on our way to hinder. To hinder. Thank you very much. Okay, it will also do us good to discuss aspects of our Christian life that we often perceive as giants, but should not but should not. Uh, what are the aspects of the Christian Christian life that it, that aspects that are considered uh, as dreadful, as figurative giants, but that we should not be afraid of? I mean, many people are afraid of of provision for tomorrow. For example, provision for tomorrow. Maybe you are in need of something, and uh, I mean, the sometimes as human beings we tend to magnify these things. Beyond what is acceptable, say, oh, tomorrow is so dreadful, and I need this. Yes, and of course, one understands how I think how, how needs and wants can be so pressing, so pressing that you are th- thinking to yourself, "Ha, ah, what's going to happen tomorrow?" But you see, we are going to find that once you move even closer, you find that the lions have been chained. The lions have been chained. It means that God has provided ahead, but sometimes we don't we don't remember these things. Uh, who can suggest other aspects of the Christian life? Uh, that other aspect of the Christian life or other circumstances in life 
that are often perceived as threatening, as threatening as giants, but that we should not perceive, we should not treat as such. Things that we sometimes magnify over and above what is necessary. We, sometimes we magnify them and say, look, wow, there is this on the way. And because of that, many people have left the faith. Many people have wandered away from the faith because they look ahead and they say, look, there are lions ahead. There are those lions ahead. There are giants ahead. As some would say, as I mentioned earlier on, maybe it's a pressing need. Look, there's a pressing need. There'll be a pressing need next year. There'll be a pressing need 10 years' time. There'll be a pressing need next month. I better do this. Maybe this that is ungodly because I need to meet that pressing need. But you see, those who, who stay with the Lord, they find that the lions have been chained. They find that the, the, the giants can be defeated. And, and that's why I love this portion that we just read. That giants can be slain. Christians can slay giants. And that's a big deal. That's a big deal. We must never, we must never uh, make light of it. Christians can slay giants. Just the same way that Mr. Greatheart you know, slayed uh, Grim the giant. The same way that, uh, as TMC mentioned, David, and Slide as well, David uh, slew Goliath. The same way that, uh, notwithstanding that, the, the, the children of God took the land of the Amalekites, notwithstanding that they had giants the christians can slay giants we have the power to do so so whatever circumstance of life sometimes it's, it's a health challenge and then and of course some health challenges are really really challenging because they are they are, they are serious matters but then the christian knows that the battle is the lord's the christian knows that the lord himself he formed our inward parts he covered us in our mother's womb he made us fearfully and wonderfully and he can decide to by his power to remake things that need to be remade. So sometimes pressing needs, sometimes uh, health challenges, but sometimes witnessing in a hostile environment too. Uh, if you are called to be a witness in a hostile environment, that could constitute giants on the way as well. But Or even lions. We must bear in mind that the lions have been chained by the power of God that the... And that the giants can be slain. The giant can be slain in the power of God by using the same sword that Mr. Great Heart used. The sword which is the word of God. Okay, now let's go to the next part. This is where Mr. Great Heart would take his leave from, from Christiana and her boys and from Mercy. So we are on page 5 now. Page 5, so are you ready to continue reading? Yes. Yes, yes, yes. Okay, thank you. Okay. Mr. Greatheart departs. Now, when they were within sight of the porter's lodge, they soon came up to it, but they made the more haste after this to go there because it was dangerous traveling by night. So when they came to the gates, the guide knocked and the porter made a cry. Porter, who is there? But as soon as the guide said, it is I, he recognized his voice and came down for the guide had often before come there as a conductor of the pilgrims. When he came down, he opened the gate and seeing the guide standing just before it, he, for he did not see the women, for they were behind him. He said unto him, how now, how now Mr. Greatheart, what is your business here so late at night? Mr. Greatheart, I have brought some pilgrims here. Where? By my Lord's command, they must lodge. I would have arrived some time ago had I not been opposed by the giant that used to back the lions. 
But after a long and tedious combat with him, I cut him off and have brought the pilgrims here in safety. Porter, will you not come in and stay till morning? No, I will return to my lords tonight. Christiana, oh, sir, I do not know how we can, we can be willing to let you leave us in our pilgrimage. You have been so faithful and loving towards us. You have fought so strongly for us, and you have been so hearty in counseling us that I shall never forget your favor towards us. Mercy, oh, that we might have your company to our journey's end. How can such poor women, as we hold out in a way so full of troubles, as this way is without a friend and defender. James, please, sir, be persuaded to go with us and help us because we are so weak and the way is so dangerous. Mr. Greatheart, I am at my Lord's command. If he allowed me to be your guide quite th through, I would willingly wait upon you. But here you failed at first, for when he bid me come thus far with you, then you should have begged him to let me go quite through with you, and he would have granted your request. However, at present, I must withdraw. And so, good Christiana, mercy, and my brave children, adieu. Okay, thank you very much. And so, and I think we almost agree that Mr. Greatheart has been such a great company, such a great help for Christiana and her boys and for Mercy. Of course, the most recent one where he helped them to defeat Mr. Grimm the Giant. Uh, and of course, we know that Mr. Greatheart joined them. When When did Mr. Greatheart join? When did he join Christiana and Mercy? It was after they were assaulted by those evil men. Can we can we remember that incident? Immediately they left, uh, just as the interpreter, they were assaulted by those men who wanted to have, you know, uh, false kind of knowledge of, of the women. And then they prayed, the interpreter, and he sent Mr. Greater to them. Now Mr. Greater is departing. I want us to reflect on his departure. From what he said, what could have prevented his departure? I mean, obviously the, the, the pilgrims did not want him to leave them. Christina said, oh, we did not know that you're going to, be, to leave us here at the Palace Beautiful. Because obviously, Mr. Greater had guided them to a comfortable place. Mercy said, oh, we need you to be with us until our journey's end. And one of the boys, James, said, oh, please, uh, please go with us. But he said something. And I want us to reflect on that. What, could have prevent, what might have prevented Mr. Greater from going back? And what does it teach us? about losing potential privileges in our spiritual life what does it teach us about how we lose potential privileges in our christian life just look at uh, the final statement that mr great art made here actually where he said but here you failed at first why why did mr great art have to leave and what could they have done differently to prevent him from leaving them at this point. Sir, I'm equally curious to know because why, you know, but here you failed at first. Mm. For when he bid me to come, is it being not being specific, you know, with our prayer? Exactly. Exactly. Remember what James says. Yeah, Same... We have to be specific. Exactly. We have to be specific. We have to... Jesus said, ask until your joy be full. Uh, James also said, you have not because you ask not. You, are, you have not because you ask not. And I think that's the lesson that 
Uh, Mr. Greta was trying to teach them here. Yeah. He said, well, here you failed at the first. Because if you wanted me for beyond this point, then you should have asked uh, the interpreter who sent me to you. He would have allowed me to go further, but you only asked for somebody to conduct you to this place. And that's what you're going to get. He said, hey, you failed at first. He said, you should have begged him to let me go quite through with you, and he would have granted your request. He would have granted it. And, and when I read this place, uh, exactly that, that's what came to my mind, uh, where James said, you, you have not because you ask not. And Jesus himself said, ask until your joy be full. And I'm reminded of this aim. What a friend we have in Jesus. Say, oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear. All because, all because we will not carry everything to God in prayer. All because we are not, we will not ask. And so many things stop us from asking. I mean, from asking until our joy be full. What are some of these things that stop us from asking until our joy be full? Sometimes we think maybe we are being importunate, like, oh, why are you disturbing God? And, well, he has done this much. Sometimes we are presumptuous as well. We say that, well, he knows that we need these things. Why do I need to ask? I mean, that would be some elementary Christian uh, Christian thoughts, but uh, it still affects many of us. We say, look, the Lord knows that we need these things. Do I need to ask? But he knows, but he wants you to ask. It's a sign of dependence, uh, dependence on him. Sometimes it is pride. Sometimes we may not even voice it. We may not even realize it. it may be pride, thinking that we are sufficient uh, for ourselves or we are leaning on our own understanding. But he wants us to ask and to ask specifically. And, and it appears that this is also telling us about asking for specifics. For specifics. This is what I need from the Lord. This is what we need. And you ask him specifically. I think I was at a, I was at a Bible study recently where this matter also came up. I'm trying to recall uh, which portion of the of the scripture we're studying where the see, this point came about the need to also ask god specifically okay i think it was in the act of apostle where uh, when the church commissioned paul and and silas to go out when the church wanted to commission them they specifically asked of the lord and said uh, who should we send on this and the holy spirit led them to uh, to those two men and the person that was making the point that although we have a general understanding of what God wants us to do. We have an idea of people who are equipped for the work. See, we need to ask ask God in specific instances. And in this text, Mr. Greatart uh, was admonishing them that he ought to also ask specifically. You have not, because you ask not. Jesus said, ask until your joy be full. And that hymn writer wrote saying, Oh, there are so... Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pains we bear. All because we would not carry everything to God in prayer. So I think if uh, if Christiana and our boys and Mercy knew this song, that's what they would be saying. They would say, oh, oh, what company of Mr. Greater we would have continued to enjoy if only we had asked. If only we had asked for it. And I mean, that's a lesson for us and an important one as well. Uh, there are so many things in our in our in our Christian life that we would say to ourselves, if only we had asked. I, I, I would suppose that even the Holy Spirit would look at us from time to time and say, "Look, if only you would ask. If only you would ask. If only you would ask. If only you would not say, oh, 'Oh, I'm not worthy.' If only you would not say, oh, but I've been asking before. Should I keep asking again?' In, in fact, that's an important one. Sometimes what stops us from asking is because we've been asking." 
for a long, long time, and it's not answering. And I mean, personally for me, a request comes to my mind now that I've stopped asking. About. I mean, sometimes you'll be asking and it's not coming, but it says keep asking until your joy until your joy is full. Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pains we bear. All because we would not carry everything to God in prayer. And so at this point, Mr. Great Heart left them, but of course, he, he did not leave them in in danger. He left them at the Palace Beautiful. Of course, for those who were with us at, when we were reading Pilgrim's Progress Part 1, we know the Palace Beautiful uh, was in, in Pilgrim's Progress Part 1 was symbolic of the church, the community of believers. So, of course, Mr. Great Heart knew that he was leaving them in a safe place, in a safe place. But, of course, they would have to leave that place eventually. But I think the lesson is learned here. Both uh, Christiana and our company, they've learned the lesson. Both they and us, we have learned the lesson. And the lesson being this, that we will not have if we don't ask. Our Lord said, ask and it shall be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door shall be opened. If you don't ask, you will not, you will not get. If you don't knock, the door will not be opened. If you don't seek, you will not find. Okay, let's go to the next bit of this of this chapter. If you have any other contribution to make, please do not hesitate to do so. Just send it to us on WhatsApp or in the chat room or just unmute your microphone. Okay, Christian's old room at the Palace Beautiful on page 6. Okay. The porter, Mr. Watchful, asked Christiana about her country and of her family. Christiana, I come from the city of destruction. I am a widow woman. For my husband is dead. His name was Christian, the pilgrim. Porter, how then was he your husband? Christiana, yes, and these are his children. And this, pointing to mercy, is one of my town's women. Then the porter rang his bell, as at such times he used to do. And there came to the door one of the damsels, whose name was Humble Mind. And to her, the porter said, Porter, Go tell it within that Christian. Go tell it within that Christiana, the wife of Christian, and her children have come here on pilgrimage. She went in then and told the news, and oh, what a sound of gladness there was within when the damsel spread the news, that news from her mouth. So they came with the haste to the porter, from Christiana stood still at the door. Then some of the most serious looking said to her, Come in, Christiana, come in, bad good man, come in, you blessed woman, come in, with all that are with you. So she went in and her children and companions followed her. Now, when they had gone in, they were taken into a large room where they were bid to sit down. So they sat down. And the chief of the house were called to see and welcome the guests. Then the servants came in and understanding who they were, greeted each one with a kiss and said, Welcome, you vessels of the grace of God. You are welcome to us, your friends. Now, because it was somewhat late and because the pilgrims were weary with their journey and who also were made faint with the sight of the fight, and of the terrible lions, they asked, as soon as they might, to prepare to go to bed. No, said those of the family. Can you please scroll up a bit? Sir, please, can you scroll up? Okay. 
Okay. Now, because it was somewhat late, and because the pilgrims were weary with their journey, and who also were made faint with the sight of the fight and of the terrible lions, they asked as soon as they might to prepare to go to bed. No said of the family, refresh yourself first with a morsel of food, for they had prepared for them a lamb with the accustomed sauce that belonged to it. Ecclesiastic 12, 21. Exodus. John 1, 29. Oh, sorry, Exodus 12, 21. John 1, 29. For the potter had heard before of their coming and had told the news to those with him. So when they had finished supper and ended their prayer with a psalm, Christiana, but let us, if we may, be so bold as to choose, go to that chamber that was my husband's when he was here. So they had took them there, and they all lay down in the room. When they were addressed, Christiana and Mercy started talking about things that were on their mind. Christiana, little did I think once when my husband went on pilgrimage that I wished I should ever have followed him. Mercy. And you little thought of lying in his bed and his chamber to rest as you do now. Christiana, and much less did I ever think of seeing his face with comfort and of worshipping the Lord the King with him. And yet now I believe I shall. Mercy, listen, don't you hear a noise? Christiana, yes, it is, as I believe, the sound of music for joy that we are here. Mercy. Wonderful music in the house, music in the hearts, mm. and music also in heaven for joy that we are here. Thus they talked a while and then dropped off to sleep. Beautiful. Thank you very much, sis. Wonderful music in the house, music in the heart, music also in heaven for joy that we are here. And and uh, I love how in this particular book, this Christianas journey, you find emphasis by John Boyan on the joy. In the church, now in the palace beautiful, signifying the church, joy in the church that these pilgrims have come to join the, the body of believers. If you recall also, when they arrived at the house of the, of the interpreter, when they got there, uh, we were told that Christiana put her ears to the door. And she had that they were discussing about her. They had already heard that she had become a, a, a pilgrim and they were, they were celebrating even in that of the interpreter. So everywhere she got to, there was celebration. The same way that our Lord told us that there is so much joy in heaven when one sinner comes to repentance. I mean, that should say a lot about, that should say a lot to us that the, the host of heaven glad on our account that we are on the pilgrim way we have so many people rooting for us i always remember once i want to listen to about uh hebrews hebrews 12 where we say that where the writer said seeing that we are surrounded by so great a host of witnesses that we should always imagine ourselves uh playing as one of the players on on a football field and in the stand those who are in the stadium you have who you have moses you have joshua you have daniel you have all the saints who have gone before and what are they doing they are cheering us on isaiah all of them peter and paul all of them cheering us and say oh brother just keep on just keep on you have to win the race so we have many people surrounding us and cheering us on and you know wishing us well in our pilgrimage and you see these people they retired to their bed and there was music in the meaning that the people in the house did not even sleep they were just 
joyful and they are, that they are on the way. So it's the same way that everyone rejoices on our account. So let's not give up. Let's not lose heart. Everyone rejoices on our behalf and the Holy Spirit is, the Lord himself is invested in our, our success. But let's look at the two questions we want to draw from this portion of the text. See, when they go to that house, they wanted, they were tired. Remember that they had just met Grim the Giant. They had just fought a terrible, a terrible battle. And by the grace of God, they won. So they were tired. And they, want, they wanted immediately to go to bed. But here it says, those of the family said, no. Refresh yourselves first with a morsel of food. For they had prepared for them a lamb. And with their custom sauce that belonged to it, they had prepared for, they had prepared for them a lamb. So let's look at Exodus 12, 21. That lamb that was referenced there. Exodus 12, 21. Then Moses called for all the elders of Israel and said to them, Pick out and take lambs for yourselves according to your families and kill the Passover lamb. The Passover lamb. And then in John, in John 1, 29, that's where we read. He said, The next day he saw Jesus coming toward and he said, Behold, the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. What do you think this feast, the particular food they ate here, what do you think it says about what pilgrims should be feeding on, should be feeding on? You know, the palace beautiful is the church of Christ. Now they got there. They wanted to go to sleep, but they said, the people in the house said, yeah, we know you are tired. You know, we know that you want to rest and you are in a good place. You're not at the palace beautiful, but before you, re- before you, before you go, just eat something. And they made them eat the lamb and the sauce made to accompany it. How important is this? To feed on the lamb, on the lamb, this lamb. And what does the lamb signify here? What does it signify here? And of course, it's always beautiful the way that John 1, 29 explains, uh, explains uh, the significance of the Old uh, Testament reference to the lamb. Uh, to the lamb. This is the people in the house admonishing them, and, and that's what they eat there. And for those who recall what we discussed during Pilgrim's Progress 1 about the Palace Beautiful, how the Palace Beautiful, all the things they do there uh, should remind us of what should be done in the church today, in the body of Christ, in the body of Christ. Always invi- inviting uh, those who come in to feed on, on Christ Himself. Christ Himself is body and His blood to feed on him, and him alone should be the center point of the discourse. Him alone should be our meal. Him alone should be uh, the grand object of our thoughts and of our and of our aspirations as well. And, and I love the way John Boyan put it here, that although they were tired, they wanted to go to sleep, but he said to them, no, 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 don't do that. Before you do that, let's feed on the lamb properly prepared. You know, he says with the accustomed sauce, if you, if you took notice of that, uh, on page seven, therefore they had prepared for them a lamp with the accustomed sauce that belonged to it. So it was prepared as stipulated. It was the word of God, which is Jesus Himself, as 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 prepared as given by the Holy Spirit, and they were fed with it. It's a reminder that that is what should be done in the church. What I also find fascinating about this portion of the text is that when they wanted to go to sleep. Uh, Christina said, yes, I know that there are many rooms here, but I want to sleep in the room that my husband slept in when he came into this place. And it, and that's so fascinating. And uh, this question comes to mind, and, and I want us to discuss it. If you know Psalm 103, verse 16, 
As I'm wondering at verse 16, it talks about us as human beings and saying, look, we are like the flowers of the field. Today we are there. Tomorrow we are no longer there. It says, when the wind blows and the flower goes away, Psalm 103 verse 16 says, its place remembers it no more. And the psalmist was saying, that's how we are as human beings. Just like flowers of the field, the wind blows. We are no longer there. We are just like, and then its place remembers it no more. But what lessons can we learn from the fact that Christian's room is still remembered? Yes, we are like grass of the field. Today, the wind blows. We are gone. Its place remembers it no more. But there's something to say for a Christian's legacy being remembered. Because here, we find Christian who had gone before. Christian who had, of course, from what we read in Pilgrim Progress Part 1, who had died, had been received into heaven, still being remembered in the palace beautiful. You know, uh, if you look at that, when he passed through the palace, it must have been like ages ago. But his, his room was still there. His room was still there. It was part of the body of Christ in this world. And his room was still there, so much so that uh, the new the new believers just joining the group uh, were pointed to his room. They could still go to his room and sleep there and say, oh, Christian was here. Christian was here. Is that a case where, well, it is not true that his place remembers it no more? How do we engage with this part? How do we engage with this part? Any contribution from gospelbestudio.com, from the virtual studio, I just use the WhatsApp widget and join this discourse. Either send a voice note or send a text message, or unmute your microphone here, or send a text here in the virtual studio. Its place remembers it no more, the psalmist wrote in Psalm 103 verse 16. Once we are gone, it says its place remembers it no more. We are gone, we are gone. Other people will take our place, and then, well, we are just gone. But here in this case, we find that in the palace beautiful, the room occupied by Christian was still designated as his room, was still reserved as his room, was still there. It was still possible for uh, for new pilgrims to use that room. And it was never forgotten that that was the room in which Christians slept. It was never forgotten that he slept in that room. What should that tell us? What should that tell us? What should that tell us as Christians, as members of the body of Christ? What should it tell us? What should that tell us? What are we reminded of? What encouragement can we draw from that? If you recall that a particular story from the gospel account where Jesus said of a person that what that person did would never be forgotten. That whenever the story of Christ is told, the sacrifice of that person would also be, be spoken of. Anybody who can recall that part of the scriptures? Because really there is something that we should take to heart here, that Christian, uh, that Christian's room remained his room, that the people in the palace beautiful did not forget that Christian passed through that place. Of course, you know, do you know how many people are passing uh, through the narrow road to the celestial city? Of course, the narrow road, few there will find it, but it was not only Christian. We do not know how many people had passed through the palace beautiful since Christian passed through that place. So many people must have passed through that place. Uh, after Christian and after Christian and so many people. Of course, before Christian, there was faithful. If you remember from Pregnant Progress Part 1, faithful had passed through the place before Christian. Although faithful died 
he died a valiant death, of course. So many people must have passed through the Palace Beautiful. But when Christina got there and she asked for Christian's room in the Palace Beautiful, they were able to point to his room and say, yes, this is where Christian slept when he was in this place. The Palace Beautiful is the body of Christ. And they were able to point to her and say, no, this is where Christian slept. Nobody forgot. People did not forget uh, in the Palace Beautiful where Christian slept, the room he had. And he was able to, they were able to point it out to Christiana. Doc? Yeah, thank you very much, sir. I, I just thought that it was important to sort of explore that statement. Mm. Its place remembers it no more. Mm. So that we can reconcile that with the moral of the story. Exactly. Now, the, the word here is its place. That's the phrase. Now, its place has to do with the form of life. The form of life and the transitory nature of the human life that we carry. Mm -hmm. I will explain it in this way. When we are born into mortal life, we have a place. That's why we are named. That is why we take our share of the oxygen and we we exist in a plane. It is a, it is a plane of existence. Now, for as long as we have that uh, biological life, we have a place. We have a share of the oxygen. Mm -hmm. We have a share of the public good available to every living soul. But immediately that natural life is extinguished in death somebody else will be using that oxygen and that oxygen will no longer belong to you somebody else will be occupying every single thing that you did mm -hmm. and it the, the things will not will not resist that new coordinator exactly because your place is only for as long as you have biological life so what is the lord showing us here that it is therefore incumbent on the occupier of that mortal space to do something with it exactly. while in that space exactly and it is that which you do that will be remembered in the hearts of men oh, yes. so your place will not remember you but the hearts of men will remember you Beautiful and input. heaven we have a record not mm -hmm. of just living the biological life or existing on the biological plane but what you did so we see that in revelation 14 it says the works that they do will then follow them exactly after they have slept or they have died in the lord i will conclude with this hymn that has always been a blessing to me mm. it's a hymn of burial but i think it's an anomaly it should either it should actually be sung for the living okay he says, fading away like, like the stars, stars of the morning, mm -hmm. losing their light in the glorious sun. Thus, Thus would we pass. Must we pass from this world and its toiling. Only remembered. Only remembered. For what we have done. By what we have done. Only remembered. Only remembered. Only remembered by what we have done. Exactly. Thus must we pass from, from this world and its toiling. Only remembered. Only remembered by what we have done. We are in the midst of witnesses. Mm -hmm. But more importantly, 
It takes a person who lives his life as a witness to be remembered by living witnesses. Mm -hmm. And so the Bible says the very essence of the Holy Ghost that we have received is that we should live our lives as witnesses. Because when we leave this place, we will join a company of witnesses. We will join that company. Yeah. And only if we live our lives that way. And in Acts chapter 4, verse 33, the Bible says, with great power, the apostles gave witness to the resurrection of the Lord. Yeah. And great grace was upon them. I testify that with great power, Christian gave witness mm -hmm. to the resurrection of the Lord. From the Lord yeah. And great grace was upon him. So much so that the living witnesses mm. could remember him who had joined, who had gone to join the cloud of witnesses. I yeah. pray the Lord will help us in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you so very much. And you have put it so beautifully. And I, I'm also thankful that you also referred to that hymn. Well, I was hoping that we were going to read that hymn as well. And, and that's it. That's the answer. Yes, it's place remember it no more. That's a fact. But uh, when we when he says it's place remember it no more, you find the unbelieving mind that will say to himself or herself, "Well, it's all vanity of vanity. It's all vanity of vanity. Why do I need to do anything? Since anyway, my place will remember me no more." Once I mean, people will say that the unbeliever will say, "Look, it's just six feet. Once it happens, once the breath is taken away, then it's total darkness." No, the expectation for those who know uh, the that they 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 have a child to keep. That's him that says, a child to keep I have, a God to glorify, a, a never-failing soul to save and fit it for the sky. So we have a charge, a, a charge to keep I have, a God to glorify, a never-failing, a never-dying soul to save and fit it for the sky. So there's a purpose to live in. Although when we are gone, yes, we are gone, but there's a purpose to live in to glorify God. And those who live their lives to glorify God, there are people who will never be forgotten. They'll never be forgotten in the heavens because their names will be written in the book of life. They'll be celebrated in heaven. They are going to join the cloud of witnesses uh, who will be cheering others on. And, and what is more, even the living witnesses will not forget them. Will not forget them. I uh, will recall to mind, and I believe many of us can recall to mind, uh, great Christians, those who have been saved by the power of the of the Holy Spirit, those who have been enabled to serve the Lord even in this life. If you look at that, uh, that again, another funeral hymn. Of course, if you look at uh, for for all the saints who from their labors rest, uh, look at the way the hymn writer put it. It says, "Those who in this world confess the Lord, those who who by." Who thee by faith before the world confess? Who thee by faith in you confess? Say thy name, O Jesus, be forever praised. Hallelujah. And, and that's the way we look at those who have gone before us. We say, look, these are the people who confess the Lord. We never forget them. Those who served with zeal, those who did God's work, they will never be forgotten, even by, by the saints in this world, and also by God and his holy angel. Our Lord himself did say that those who are not ashamed of me, those who glorify me in this life, those who who, 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 who proclaim my name in this life with joy and with pride, I will introduce them before my Father and his holy angels. Only remembered by what we have done. And Christian lived such a great life, so much so that when Christiana got to the palace beautiful, they were able to point to his room. And that's the same way that uh, even the Church of Christ today would point to the great work that Christians have done. They say, look, that's where uh, Brother 
X served. That's where she started. This served. That's what she did. That's what he did. And they always point to those things. And those who are coming behind, we take encouragement. The same way that Christina and Mercy took encouragement, they stayed in that room and they were they were reflecting. And in reflecting on that, they also took fresh courage to say, "Look, we are going to we are going to continue on this pilgrimage." Thank you very much. I think it's been a wonderful evening. I love all the beautiful lessons from uh, from this part of the uh, this part of the of the book, a losing place where we are reminded that in times of ease, that's when to be so watchful and prayerful so that we don't lose uh, our, our our precious resources in times of ease. When they faced grim the giant, when they faced grim the giant, we we are being exhorted that look, giants will be on the way, but giants can be slain by Christians. Christians can slay giants. That's the that's the reminder here. There will be giants on the way, but we can by the power of God, by the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, with the power of the Holy Spirit, we can slay the giants on the way. And Mr. Great Heart, Mr. Great Heart left them because they did not ask for him to be with them all through the way. And Mr. Great Heart said, look, you did not ask. You asked that I should only accompany you to the palace beautiful. If you had asked, you would have been granted. And we are reminded of James when he wrote saying, you have not because you asked not. And the Imrita who wrote saying, Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pains we bear. All because we do not ask. All because we do not ask. We do not carry everything to God in prayer. And, and Christian's old room, still there at the Palace Beautiful. Christian's old room, still there. It's no, lo- it's no longer there. Uh, you may say that his place remembers it no more as a biological entity. But his old room, the record of what he did, still there at the Palace Beautiful. Thank you all so much for joining us. And Bonali, thank you for joining us tonight. I know it's been timing difference for you all the way in Canada. So you're going to say the closing prayer, Bonali, so stay with us. And hopefully, I hope you're going to join us again tomorrow. Uh, tomorrow. So we're going to continue tomorrow. We have interesting things to read tomorrow. Uh, Mercy had a dream in that room, in Christian's room. Mercy had a dream. And we're going to discuss that dream tomorrow. Uh, then there uh, what we call catechism lessons uh, for Christiana's boys in the Palace Beautiful. And that's one of the, the duties of the church. I want us to go through the most important things that the people in that house taught uh, Christiana's boys. And then one of the boys fell sick. Uh, fell sick. And Mercy had a sister because they stayed in that house for almost a month. So there was a man who became interested in Mercy. You know that Mercy, uh, when, he joined, when she joined the pilgrimage, he was not married. So there was a man who became interested in mercy. Will there be a wedding at the Palace Beautiful? Please do join us tomorrow and let's see what's going to become of mercy and our suitor uh, tomorrow. Let's sing together. Evil would violent be against all disaster. Let him in constancy follow, follow the master. Thank you all very much.
And yes, may God give us grace to labor night and day to remain pilgrims, pilgrims on the way. In Jesus' name, amen. Bolanli, we're glad to see you and hear your voice. So we want to hear your voice. Please say the closing prayer. <laughs> thank you. Yeah. Everlasting Father, I want to say thank you, Lord, for today. Thank I want to say Lord. thank you, Lord, for this gathering. I want to say thank you, Lord, for the lessons we've learned tonight. I want to say thank you for how far um, you've brought us. Lord, we give you all the glory, give you all the honor. Lord, we want to say thank you, Lord, for your host who you've used. Lord, continue to grant him wisdom. Amen. Continue to lead him in Jesus' name. Father, Lord, even as we're going to bed tonight, I pray, Lord, that you would um, keep us, you'd be able to, you keep us safe even from evil. Lord, we'll be able to come back here again tomorrow and, um, and gather and learn at your site in Jesus' name. Everlasting Father, we also pray that all the lessons learned, they will not just be words that just come into our ears, but they would create great impact in our lives in Jesus' name. Amen. Everlasting Father, continue to make your face to shine upon us at all times in Jesus' name. For Amen. in Jesus' mighty name we've prayed. Amen. 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 Thank you all so very much. God bless you very good. <laughs> Thank you. Jesus would I know more of his grace to others show more of his saving fullness see more of his love who died for me more more about Jesus more more about jesus more of his saving fullness more of his love who died for me about jesus let me learn more of his holy will discern Spirit of God, my teacher, be showing the things of Christ to me. More, more about Jesus. More, more about Jesus. More of his saving fullness. More of his love who died for me More about Jesus on his throne Riches in glory all his own More of his kingdom sure increase More of his coming Prince of Peace more more about jesus more more about jesus more of his saving fullness more of his love who died